0: At the seminary, the ministry students were each expected to, from time to time, give one of the devotional talks or the sermons at the daily chapel service. The director of the seminary called Ted into his office to remind him that tomorrow was his day. At the morning chapel, Ted would be delivering the homily, would be delivering the sermon. Ted was nervous. The chapel began to fill with the fellow students. The service began. Finally, it was his turn to get up and give his talk. Um, He got up in front, felt the, the eyes burning into him. He was so nervous. Everybody was looking at him. Hands were shaking. Knees were knocking. Voice was quavering. Mouth was dry. And after a long, awkward silence, finally he said, do you know what I'm going to say? And they all shook their heads, no. And finally, Ted said, well, neither do I. Please rise for the closing prayer. Well, the seminary director was not happy with Ted, called him at his office and said, Ted, I expect a lot more from you. Um, you've got another shot. You're on again tomorrow. Well, Ted was nervous again, so tomorrow he showed up. And much the same scene unfolded. He got up there to talk, was, was still hands shaking and knees knocking. And he said, after a silence, he said, do you know what I'm going to say? And they kind of nodded this time. They had a pretty good idea what, what Ted was going to say. And he said, um, good, you know what I'm going to say? Don't need to say it. Let's stand for the closing prayer. <laughs> well, <laughs> the seminary director was not happy at all and said, this time, you're going to do it, all right? And there will be disciplinary measures taken against you if you do not give the sermon tomorrow morning. And so Ted fretted all night, got up the next day, um, headed to chapel, and it was packed. I mean, people came who weren't even students to hear what this guy was going to do this time. Um, So he gets up there, and he is once again terrified. And finally, he says, do you know what I'm going to say? And some of them nodded their heads yeah we know exactly what you're going to say because they'd been there the last couple of days some of them were brand new and were like no we have no idea what you're going to say and he said good you guys who know what I'm going to say tell those who don't you may stand for the closing prayer and that was it and that essentially is well a couple of things about that first of all I get nervous every time I'm going to preach and people are like "How how do you not get nervous I'm like I do get nervous every time And I don't know why totally, because I've done this hundreds of times, but I mean I think part of it is I think the preaching of God's word is important. I think it's important that I that I do it well. And so I get nervous about that as you would get nervous about something important that you're about to do. But I think more to the point, we're gonna talk a little bit about evangelism this morning, a different kind of evangelism that Peter's gonna show us in First Peter three. More to the point, really, it is. People who know telling people who don't know. It is people who know Jesus telling people who don't know Jesus. Their story and his story. And really, that's what evangelism is all about. Well, Peter's got some encouragement for us this morning. If your knees start knocking a little bit, when you think about evangelizing someone, if you get nervous thinking about sharing your faith with someone, this text is... For you. 1 Peter chapter 3 starting in verse 15. Peter says you must, and he's talking to believers, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than it is to, do, than it is to suffer for doing wrong. Christ, here's the gospel. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Isn't that good news? He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. Now, pause for a second. This is going to be one of the weirdest passages in the Bible. So I'm just going to prep with that. Here he goes. This is where things get weird. So he went, talking about Jesus, he died, was raised. He went and preached to the spirits in prison. Then it gets a little weirder those who you know those who disobeyed god long ago when god waited patiently while noah was building his boat only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood okay now we leave the weird part and that water is a picture of baptism which now saves you not by removing dirt from your body but as a response to god from a clean conscience it is effective because of the resurrection of jesus christ now christ has gone to heaven He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. Okay, so a word about the weird part. Jesus, somewhere between his death and resurrection, that three-day period, goes into some netherworld of spirits where there are spirits who are in some sort of spirit jail and Jesus preaches to them that is just strange and it's stranger when it has some connection to those who disobeyed God somewhere during the period of time where Noah was building his ark so very weirdly specific there and let me tell you first of all I don't know what that means Right? I'll just say I don't know what that means I've got some ideas I've got uh, a preferred interpretation I'll give you three different interpretations of what that might mean but I still I don't know I don't have certainty about it. Uh, The good news is it doesn't seem to be terribly important. But here are a few different interpretive ideas. One, uh, between the time of his death and resurrection, Jesus went to hell and Jesus preached to the lost people in hell and gave them a second chance. Interesting. No biblical evidence for that outside of this one text, all right? But that's one interpretation. Two, the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead preached through Noah back in the day. So that same spirit that was in Christ was preaching through Noah back in the day. And, once again, Jesus, after his death and before his resurrection, he went down and preached to those people who never repented as Noah was preaching. And Jesus went there to announce his victory. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation uh, is that the spirits in prison are actually the fallen angels that are talked about in Romans, ch- uh, not Romans, in Genesis chapter 6, who had relations with human women. Uh, that's an odd story, but it goes with this odd passage here. Um, and that those uh, spirits are now imprisoned, and Jesus went there during the, that period of time between his death and resurrection to announce their doom and to announce his victory. So, You can Google that, you can research that, Uh, maybe you'll arrive at the place I'm at, which is a, I don't know, don't know exactly what that means. But uh, most of what he said in that passage is pretty straightforward and pretty clear, and there are a couple of things as believers we need to get very clear about, and Peter starts out with that this morning. The first thing would be this. Get clear on the lordship of Jesus. He says in verse 15 to set apart Jesus as Lord in your hearts because for every person, all possibilities included in this statement, for every person, either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Okay, I mean, either Jesus is your Lord or Jesus is not your Lord and let's get clear on this as well it's not just saying he's your Lord right or I'm a Christian or I believe in Jesus it's not just saying because we all know people who say they're Christians who say Jesus is their Lord but there is really not much at all in terms of evidence in their lifestyle that he actually is In fact, there seems to be abundant evidence to the contrary in fact Jesus himself talks about this he recognizes there are people who call him Lord that he's not really Lord over their lives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So essentially Jesus says, it's not what you say, it's living with me as your Lord. That's what we're talking about here. So get clear on the lordship of Jesus, Peter says. Set Jesus apart as Lord in your hearts. The second thing, and this is in the same verse, verse 15 of 1 Peter chapter 3, once you've set apart Jesus as Lord in your hearts, number two um, would be share the gospel. Share Jesus with others. If he's your Lord, share that with others. All right, now let's just pause and take a breath here because he's saying, if Jesus is my Lord, then I need to be ready and willing to share my faith in Jesus with the people around me. Now if that's kind of scary to you Peter's going to say some other things that will disarm our fears. So we have this road map for sharing our faith. I call it sharing without scaring alright. Um, one thing we learn um, is that our fear of what might happen okay your fear of what might happen should not trump your belief in what will happen your fear of what might, I don't know what those fears might be if you're thinking about some coworker sharing your fear, it's fear of it getting a little weird or fear of them rejecting you or saying I don't believe in Jesus I never will I mean if that's your fear none of that's a particularly big deal I mean in, in terms of they might reject, they're free to do that or they might, I mean that's their call right Um, but the other thing is sometimes we let our fear of what might happen trump our, our belief of what we know will happen which we are told God will reward us if we're sharing our faith we will be rewarded for that and Peter reminds us of that and that makes us more resolute you may be afraid to do something, anything but if you know there's going to be a reward, there's going to be a payoff there, then you're going to be willing to do it So it's called being resolute. Uh, My fears will not hold me back from sharing my faith. Why? He tells me in verse 14, God will reward you, so don't be worried or afraid. Okay? Um, Virtually anything that you do in life that matters, right? Anything you do that is important, like me preaching this morning, it's going to make you a little bit nervous. Okay? You're going to be a little fearful about that. Um, Learning to walk, kind of scary for babies. Learning to drive, kind of scary for teenagers and their families. Um, Asking her out on a date for the first time, scary. Asking her to marry you, very scary. But exciting moments, important moments, Um, Starting a new job, kind of scary, but exciting, important. So there may be some anxiety in sharing Jesus with someone, but there's a promise that you will be rewarded when you do that. And I think you could talk for a long time, and we won't, okay? But you could talk for a long time about the different rewards that we get from God As we share our faith. Just a couple of things. I was thinking this week. I was just thinking about the reward of experiencing the Spirit of God working through you. As you share share Christ. It's pretty neat. Knowing the Holy Spirit is actually using you as an instrument of God. To share the gospel with someone. That's a powerful thing. Um, There is the reward of sharing with somebody you care about, a friend or a family member or a coworker sharing with somebody that you care about, that you're in a relationship, there's a reward of sharing the best thing that's ever happened to you with that person. It's pretty cool getting to share something amazing with someone. In this case, the best thing, salvation. And here's the thing, we are all evangelists. I don't even if you're not a believer, right, you're still an evangelist. That Evangelist just means telling good news. That's literally what it means, telling good news. We are all evangelists for something. It may be your favorite political candidate. It may be your favorite barbecue joint. It may be the deal you got on Groupon last week that you can't wait to share with a friend. We're, it may be your hairdresser. You've got to try her out. She's incredible. I mean, we are all evangelists, Okay? It's something we do. When we care about somebody, we love sharing good things with them. Well, how about the, okay, grammar Nazis are going to get mad at me, the goodest thing, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sharing that with somebody um, is rewarding because you're not just giving them a tip on a good barbecue place. You're giving them a tip on something that's going to change their marriage, change their family, change their eternal destiny. It's pretty good. Um, And then there's the reward, I think, of just growing deeper with the Lord as you line up with who He has called you to be, with who He wants you to be, with His purpose for you. Lining up with that is amazing. Bottom line is this. I will never be the person that Christ has called me to be, has claimed me to be. I will never grow up into my potential as a disciple of Jesus Christ if my fears are just constantly pouring cold water on my faith. Right? Right? If I'm worshiping and honoring and giving lordship to my fears instead of Jesus Christ, obviously I'm not going to be a a fully realized, developed, mature disciple of Jesus Christ. So Peter gives us things to disarm our fears. First of all, this reward that we get. Second, there's nothing better to deal with fear than, than preparation. I would be a disaster in terms of nervous wreck on a Sunday morning if I was not prepared, believe me. Um, I'm already nervous enough, but if I had no notes or anything, preparation, being ready, disarms your fears as well. Um, It is not my job to manufacture evangelistic moments, but it is my job to make sure as a disciple of Jesus Christ that I am prepared when that moment arises. Okay, Um, prepared to do what? Well, prepared, first of all, prepared to naturally respond to these opportunities that will present themselves. Um, And I love this, verse 15. You talk about disarming fears, verse 15. If someone asks about your Christian hope, right? Peter is saying you don't need to get somebody in a chokehold to share Jesus with them. You don't have to manipulate them. You don't have to use some sort of strong-arm tactics to share the gospel. If someone asks, be ready to explain. Okay? Let the game come to you. Relax. Take a breath. Don't force things. If someone asks. Um, If they ask about your faith, they say, look. The way you parent is kind of different. The way you do your finances is kind of different. The way you talk to your wife is kind of different. Tell me more about... They're asking. They're inviting you to share your story. Be ready to do that. Um, In essence, they've taken the initiative. They've made the invitation. Um, They've taken the first step. You're responding to that. Be ready to do that, to seize those opportunities. Well, specifically that means two things. Be prepared to tell your story. The story of you and Jesus. The story of what difference the Lord has made in your life. Verse 15, the reason for the hope you have. That's what you're going to be ready to tell. The reason for the hope you have. Look, I was raised in a Christian home, and I mean a really Christian home, We went to church three times a week. Sunday morning, check. Sunday night, check. Extra credit, Wednesday night, check. We did that, and it was not optional, okay? We prayed before we ate. Um, We sang praises to the Lord. We memorized memory verses. None of those things were optional. Um, And I'm grateful, looking back, On that, I'm grateful for that, but when I went off to college and then went off to State University to do graduate school, I realized my faith wasn't really my own. It was kind of my parents. I mean, they were the ones that, and it was great. I'm so grateful for that. But I kind of stopped going to church for a while, kind of stopped believing or really not really knowing what I believed anymore for a while. And that's kind of how that worked uh, until eventually a bunch of coincidences just started happening and I could go into greater detail there but a lot of things just started happening that showed me okay Jesus is alive and he's after me (laughs) I mean Jesus is pursuing me so eventually just kinda threw my arms up and surrendered and said okay you win Jesus and since then we we've been doing life together and it is pretty cool waking up every morning and knowing that I have grace and forgiveness and I have a hope That is bigger than anything I will have to face in any given day. I hope it's bigger than that. So that's pretty great. And since Jesus and I have been walking together, he has been making me a better husband. He's been making me a better father. He's been making me a better man. Still got a lot of work left to do. But it's pretty great, the journey I'm on with the Lord. And uh, that's my story. took me. I don't have a watch on but it took me about a minute and 20 seconds to share with you, high-level view, my story. Can you tell your story? You should be able to tell your story. I mean, it's yours. You know it better than anyone else. Can you tell your story in a minute 20 seconds or two minutes or less? Highlights of your story, of what your journey of faith has been like. And it's probably not like mine. We all have different stories. But Peter says, share your hope. Be able to explain your hope. Share that with someone who asks you about it, and you can actually easily get prepared to do that. It may mean in the car on the way home, you and your spouse are sharing your story with each other. Let me share my story. Then she share share your story with your kids. Hopefully you've already done that. But what a good way to practice. I'm going to share my story with my son. I'm going to share my story with my daughter. Uh, Maybe you're a writer. Write down your story and then maybe time it and see how long it takes you and read it out loud a couple of times. Um, But be prepared, Peter says, to share your story. And when you're prepared, you're not quite as nervous. You're not quite as scared, right? Now, sometimes you're going to share your story and you're going to get an opportunity to go another step because they're going to be interested in that story about you and the Lord and they're going to want to know more about Jesus. So Peter says, be prepared to share his story. In other words, be prepared to share the gospel, all right? And it is not complicated. In fact, G, uh, Peter just told us the gospel right here, verse 18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. That's the gospel. Be prepared to tell someone about that. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and what that means. We're forgiven. We have hope. Um, We get to live for Jesus now. Now, the Holy Scriptures, really kind of beginning to end, are full of people who did not consider themselves to be particularly good with words, right? Particularly gifted communicators, but who shared their faith in God. And because they did, people around them got to come into a relationship with God. I mean, Moses... Um, Esther, um, Mary, actually her sermonette is recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke, Um, Paul, Peter. None of these people thought they were really good with words, but it didn't keep them from sharing their faith, being ready to do that. Uh, The final thing, and I think this is, this really lets us off the hook in terms of what we get scared about when it comes to thinking about sharing our faith. Number three is just be respectful. Um, Do this, he says in verse 16, do this in a gentle and respectful way. I don't know about you, but that makes me a lot less scared because we're not talking about trying to sell someone something. We're not talking about trying to have a verbal jousting match with somebody. We're not talking about trying to to manipulate someone with clever arguments into the kingdom of God. There is no aggression. There is no, there is no high-powered sales technique being used here. It is relax, be respectful, and gentle, and if you get the opportunity, share Jesus with somebody. Um, so I'm going to wrap up here with a story that I've told here before, but it is a story that I think just encapsulates everything we're talking about this morning. It was a battle, a wrestling match. It was a test of wills. Every day, at exactly the same time, Mandy would go into the bathroom, open the cabinet, and pull out a 10-ounce bottle of castor oil. Then she would go to the kitchen and she would open one of the drawers and she would get a tablespoon out of that drawer. Well, at the sound of the drawer opening and the silverware rattling, patches, her Yorkshire terrier, would take off, would go into hiding, sometimes under her bed, sometimes behind her favorite recliner, Sometimes in the bathtub, but always hiding because Patches knew exactly what was coming. You see, someone, a good friend of Manny's, had told her it'll be good for the dog's teeth, shinier coat, longer life if every day your dog gets a spoonful of castor oil and she loved her dog so as an act of love every 24 hours they repeated this same scene she would at some point corner patches she would pin patches down she would pry open his little doggy mouth and he whimpered and he squirmed and he fought her with all of his strength but she would eventually pour a tablespoon of that castor oil down his little doggy throat neither patches Normandy enjoyed this daily wrestling match. Then one morning, everything changed. In the midst of their battle, with a sideways kick worthy of the Karate Kid, Patches sent that dreaded bottle of castor oil careening across the kitchen floor. It was goopy, syrupy, sticky. It was a mess. And he won a momentary victory as as mandy put him down and she went to find some rags and some things to start cleaning up that mess and when she turned back to that syrupy black goopy mess what she saw would change everything because there in the middle of that puddle of castor oil was patches smiling like an only a contented dog can smile as he lapped up that castor oil greedily and she just started laughing because suddenly it clicked it dawned on her patches didn't hate the castor oil patches hated being pinned down and having his mouth pried open and hated being forced to take the castor oil i think you see where we're going Peter lets us know we don't need to pin anybody down. We don't need to to have a verbal wrestling match with anybody. We're sharing the good news when we're given opportunities. And we're doing it in a gentle and respectful way. So, ask God for opportunities. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment so that you will see those opportunities. And courage so that you will seize those opportunities serving your Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll get to see those opportunities, I promise you that. You will have opportunities to share your story, and that's what you're asked to do. Be my witnesses here to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Be his witness, okay? This morning, uh, maybe it's your turn to put on Jesus Christ in baptism to give your life to him. You can do that. You can trust in his name today. You can be baptized into Jesus, having your sins washed away and beginning your life as his disciple. And you can be one of his witnesses in your world as well. Uh, We'd love to help you with that. Maybe you just need prayers this morning, but however you need to respond to God, we would invite you to do that as we stand together and worship.